0: I believe the challenge is for us as believers is to move from our comfort zones and to recognize that God has called us to have a heart for ministry, whether it's your occupation or not. As believers, God has called us to be ambassadors on the front line, not just being comfortable in our pews.
1: Welcome to First Person, a weekly conversation with people from all walks of life. Who have a story to tell of God's faithfulness. I'm Wayne Shepherd. My guest this week is Milton Massey of Here's Life Inner City. I'll introduce Milton to you more fully in a moment. But be sure to visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com, for up-to-date information about recent interviews and even an archive of past programs you may have missed. Again, we're found online at firstpersoninterview.com. I've lived in Chicago for over 35 years. It's a great city, but like any urban area, there are some pretty tough neighborhoods. Milton Massey knows that well, but he also knows it's a mission field that is no less important than any other. He's dedicated to seeing churches and people mobilized so that every Christian becomes a multiplying follower of Jesus Christ who's engaged in meeting the needs of the poor. Along with John Sather, Milton serves as a national leader of Here's Life Inner City, part of Campus Crusade for Christ. I met with Milton in Chicago's Agape Center in the Roseland neighborhood, and I started by asking him about his mission in life.
0: I believe that, as a believer in Jesus Christ, my major uh, commitment is to um, actually see people become multiplying reproducers uh, of Jesus Christ um, from their life to the next life. Um, Bringing a person from new birth to maturity, Um, that is my mission in life. That is what I mean. I want to see the Great Commission, the Great Commandment. And the great concern um, fulfilled in that there's one the great commandment that we need to love God and love people. There's a the great commission that we need to make disciples. and There's the great concern that we need to be concerned for the poor, and those are the things that Jesus all I mean, in all of Jesus' ministry they were they were sown in and out of everything he did. And so here at the Agape Community Center, uh, a part of Campus Crusade for Savior Christ, for the last thirty plus years, really since 1980. Um, I served as a student first, and then um, back in 92, took over the role of being the director. And that's been for now, it'll be 18 years um, in 2011.
1: That mission of yours could have taken place and could take place anywhere, many places around the world. Yes. Why here? Why, why the inner city of Chicago? Why the Agape Center?
0: Well, that's obviously as well the, the, the power and the move and the sovereignty of God. Um, I grew up in Chicago. And I won't go into every detail about that, but um, on the south side, uh, south side and west side, but mostly the south side. And my family moved in this neighborhood in 69. How old were you? I was uh, about 12, 12 years old. And um, this community center, um, it was a staircase factory back in the 60s and probably a little bit before that. And um, I used to walk past this place all the time and never knew what it was Uh, when my family first moved in here, uh, moved in this neighborhood. And then um, with white flight taking a place in the mid-60s, early 60s, 60s, into the 70s, uh, this building was abandoned, um, and the owner uh, of the building, Mr. Ken Lautenbach, uh, was approached by um, his brother to want to give this to Campus to for Christ. Uh, and the bottom line is that, just long story short, all that took place. Uh, Ken got involved, got involved with building and, and, and a renovation and so forth, but be, even in the middle of that, met staff, met Crusade staff. Um, When I received Christ in 78, for a whole year I attended a church right in the neighborhood. And then a year later, um, on my college campus at Chicago State University, um, I ran into Campus Crusade people. And they challenged me to what was called a Christmas conference. It was downtown at the Marriott Hotel, uh, by the way. And I met all these committed people, uh, college students my age, and it just blew me away, about 1,500 people. Uh, just began to blow me away. And then in 80, uh, I went on my first mission project, um, short-term mission project, right here in the, in this spot, three blocks or five blocks from where I basically grew up. Hmm. And I mean, I could have went someplace else. I did yeah. want to go. Well, let me
1: ask you about that. Mm-hmm. W- were you intending to go someplace else? Uh, yes. Was it in your mind to stay here in the
0: neighborhood? It was not. As a matter of fact, my, my first exposure to summer projects was at that Christmas conference in 79, and they would recruit college students to consider giving you a summer uh, to the Lord. I went to a little presentation, uh, and I was going to go to Wildwood, New Jersey uh, for a beach project. I wanted to get out of <laughs> that Chicago. Sounds nice. That sounds nice. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to get out of Chicago, but I met some people who were from the Chicago area um, due to that one staff that I met on my college campus. He introduced me to his, his director, a man by the name of Dave Scott. Dave asked me, what was I, I going to do this summer? That summer, I pulled out the brochure for the Wildwood, New Jersey project. He looked at it and he said, do you know that we have a project right around the corner from where you grew up? I'm going, really? <laughs> and I, he tells me of the place and um, I showed him the uh, brochure. He, he tears the brochure up and says, um, I want you to fill out another one and consider this one. And so that, and I did that May, June of 80. That's a long time ago. A long time ago. That's like 30, almost, <laughs> yeah, 30 years ago.
1: And here God has placed you now. There's a transition coming. We'll talk about that. You're not yeah. going anywhere, no. but a transition of responsibilities. We'll talk about that in a moment. But so much has happened here at the Agape Center. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen some of the outreach personally that you do here. Mm-hmm. But something happened that grabbed national attention, mm-hmm. literally right outside this window yes. right here. What happened?
0: Yes. Well, that was just the reality that um, the violence in this community um, and not just this community, let me say the entire uh, nation, um, actually. Every urban center uh, across this land um, has the reality of issues that, that happened with this young man uh, last year, Darren Albert. Um, bottom line is that there was a fight that took place, and it wasn't just a regular fight. It was mob action, um, and, and a young man lost his life um, through a beating. And um, it's something that we still, as a team, are experiencing uh, the fallout. Um, from that, but um, it's not known to you know everybody else. It's just the reality that uh, you don't emotionally just keep going after you see uh, something like that happen. And um, and since that time, you know, we have been we ministered to kids who were um, out there and who you know who, who were kind of in the fray, but didn't you know didn't get hurt to the degree that uh, Darion did. You know, he was not a part of our program, but we we have um, regular ministry to high school students, particularly Finger. That was one of those. It was actually it's almost a year ago. Um, this month,
1: such a tragedy, and there have been many other tragedies around here and all over mm-hmm. the nation since mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. But how have you seen God work through this situation? Mm-hmm. What what's uh, what's an example you've seen mm-hmm. of of God's hand in all this?
0: Well, I mean, there's so many so many different ways and ones to choose from. is hard I think that it was um, a way that we began to kind of have a bit of a wake up call. Uh, to determine, you know, are we here for the long haul or not? Um, it was one of those experiences where you have been giving, giving giving, giving giving, giving of yourself and you 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 can begin to think a little bit of having a, a little bit of a, a, an entitlement mentality that God I'm serving you, so there should be just a bunch of rewards, you know, on this side and shouldn't experience something like that. But it did happen. Uh, and as a result, it wasn't just that event, but that event kind of just kicked off a ton of other things for the whole year that began to be a, a challenge to us. So I think it solidified first it solidified us as a team. Uh, but secondly I think as far as an example to the to the neighborhood, it's just a reality that people began to realize what we're here for.
1: Yeah, that was my question. Did the yeah. neighborhood wake up as to your ministry here? Mm-hmm. And the hope that you offer mm-hmm. is contrasted to the, mm-hmm. the violence that took place outside your door.
0: There are those who did. Uh, there are other ministries that recognize that. And there are uh, even some um, secular organizations that recognize that. Uh, but honestly speaking, I mean, uh, I, I'd say that we've been trying to fly beneath the radar, but we can't be anymore. We're not beneath the radar anymore. That, that event, in many instances, kind of it shoved us out in the light, even though we have to remain focused on what we do.
1: Well, I know there's no easy answers to this this question of violence and what's mm-hmm. going on in our mm-hmm. American cities, particularly in the past a year or mm-hmm. two, where it just seems to be out of control at times. Mm-hmm. No easy answers, but what is yeah. your challenge to us mm-hmm. regardless of what neighborhood we live
0: mm-hmm. in? Sure. I, I want to be honest about that because there are two things the Lord reminded me of in that situation. One, he said to me, uh, Milt, you need to keep your face to the plow. Don't get distracted. Recognize that this actually is biblical, meaning that the level of violence and the level of things that's going to happen in our world. Um, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4 and 2 Timothy chapter 3, deal with what it's gonna look like in the last days. And I believe we're there in regard to at least we're if we're not there, we're so close, we are. I believe the challenge is for us as believers is to, is to get is to move from our comfort zones and to recognize that God has called us to have a heart for ministry or of our service. Whether you're a full-time laborer or not. This it's your occupation or not, as believers, God has called us to be ambassadors on the front line, not just being comfortable in our pews, um, no matter what it is. But remember that the message should never change. The methods may vary, but the message still means, needs to be the unchanging power of the gospel.
1: Does it frustrate you that the church doesn't seem to be paying enough attention?
0: It frustrates me on this level that we in America have a brand of Christianity that is based on comfort and entitlement and is not based on a commitment to be servants and to really be soldiers. There's one verse that the Lord has been speaking to me, and well, there are three, but there's one in particular. Second Timothy chapter two verses three and four says to endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus Christ, or endure suffering. Then he says, no soldier involves himself in civilian affairs. He says why? In the ESV the English Standard Version, it says his aim is to please the one who enlisted him in his service or in his army so where is my focus my my question of the believer is where is your aim is it to to be comf- to be comfortable and to live according to entitlement which a lot of teaching is out here which was erroneous or is it to please your commanding officer because you uh, and, and to avoid being entangled in civilian affairs
1: in just a moment we'll continue this conversation with Milton Massey on first person Next week, two guests join us. First of all, Max Lucado. To him who much has been given, much is expected. And to use that to call other people, to open up their eyes to see the blessings that we have. And then secondly, Dr. Kevin Lehman. I didn't come from a perfect home, but a message to parents everywhere in this book is, hey, step up and believe in your kids. Two distinct personalities in one program. When you join us next time with Max Lucado and Kevin Lehman here on First Person. Let's continue our conversation with Milton Massey. We're talking about Second Timothy two, verses three and four. What is our aim in life, and who are we serving?
0: I mean, it's it's one of three verses that God has been speaking to me about because I realize that it is easy to develop a hardened heart, and then two, um, it is also easy to have your thoughts led astray by the evil one, as he cunningly deceived Eve um, from a pure and simple devotion to Christ. Well. I have to challenge myself with the same verse from 2 Timothy. What is my aim in life? Is it to be comfortable? Is it to please somebody else? And we have, in this ministry, with Campus Crusade, with Here's Life in the City, uh, we're here in Chicago locally, we have experienced a level of success over the 30 years that has brought us consistency, integrity, people know who we are, who know what we do. And the bottom line is that you can just think that okay, this is it, and then, and, and you don't. We don't want to change. We don't want to be challenged. We don't want to lead, in, 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 on another level, another capacity. We don't even want to see us get to the point where we're we're um, we're drawn on by others for more ministry.
1: This is very fresh to you because mm-hmm. there's transition happening in your life right now. Now you're yes. not going anywhere. No, you're going to stay in this office yes. overlooking this neighborhood here mm-hmm. in the Agape Center. Mm-hmm. But God is leading you into another arena of of leadership, isn't he?
0: Yes. Right now, over the last, um, there's actually been the last two years or so that our ministry under Campus Crusader, his life, has been in a a leadership transition. Um, And as a result of that, or a succession plan, as a result of that, myself and a a colleague of mine uh, from the Twin Cities, uh, John Sather, has been named as the national director for our ministry. I've been named as his associate. And so it means that my emphasis uh, or a lot of my focus is going to become more national and even global um, in terms of what I'm supposed to do
1: here. All right, why not leave the neighborhood and go to some national office and do that?
0: That'd be excellent uh, to do it. I mean, that, that's what we do. That's what, that's what we tend to do on the most, uh, in, in most instances. But John and myself and, and our servant leadership team have a commitment to seeing um, disciples being made not only among the people that we lead to Christ, but disciples being made among the, the, the staff who are already involved in ministry and, and among pastors and leadership in churches. And in order for that to, to be fresh for us, we have to keep our feet on the ground. Somebody has to still have their feet on the ground. Our servant leadership team often in many instances consists of people who have had field experience, and one of the realities that we're we're beginning to see is that if you lose that field experience you forget what it's like to be on the ground so 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 a 30,000 foot view is necessary to keep the troops the troop the troops moving but at the same time, that person from that thirty thousand foot has to keep their feet on the ground to be able to understand what that field person is going through. So we got to somewhere. There's got to be a meeting of the two, and that's one of the reasons why we're structuring this so that myself, as a uh, a national director, having city director experience, I can stay fresh. I can speak to the leadership about what the field needs, and at the same time, I can keep the vision of what of what the leadership. Whether you should wants us to go in the field,
1: that's a good principle in any arena of life, including mm-hmm. ministry. Yes, it is. I think yes, was yes, it is. a tough
0: decision for you though? Absolutely. I mean, you talked about wrestling with that or struggling with it. Um, truthfully, from a personal level, I'm comfortable. You'd spent I, how long at here? Thirty years. I mean, by the time I'd say by the time it would be, I would have in 2011. I would have been the director for 18 years, but I came into this ministry um, at about 23. Did you
1: think maybe you might have to leave to take on this new responsibility?
0: Well, I mean, usually within Crusade and within other ministries like this, the issue of moving people around and having people leave when that is a um, is kind of a standard practice. That's normally, what happens It is normally yeah. what happens. But when you when you talk, there are two ministries that I think are twins, and I think that's Ministry in the City and Ministry Overseas. And in both of those ministries, you need consistency. They're both mission fields. They're both mission fields. In both mission fields, you need consistency. People are used to folk just being transient. When there's consistency, people begin to, it it may take people a long time to recognize that, but if you've been a mainstay, they pay attention, they're open. Even if they've kind of gone along in their life, maybe even gotten away from what you taught them, they recognize, wait a minute, you're still here. You're, You're still here. And that's important to them. So it's, it's not only for stability, but it's even for future recruiting. So we can get people to understand when you commit yourself to this, you need to be willing to commit a life to it.
1: But did you struggle?
0: Oh, man, I didn't. I mean, talking, I mean one is because of the fact that I like what I'm doing. I mean, I liked leading as a city director. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could do it without, this is gonna sound terrible, but I could do it without trusting God. Mm-hmm. Because it was so habitual, um, it was just something I just did. But the, And, that, and that's, therein lies the area of the need for yeah, growth.
1: Maybe that's why God pushed you in this direction exactly. to teach you the lesson, huh? Exactly,
0: exactly. So I'm in that process. I'm learning. I'm in, I'm in a program that uh, Crusade is doing for future development of leaders. And so simply it's just basically helped me grow personally um, as well as it's increasing my capacity, but not just in terms of performance. Uh, that is one aspect, but it's really about personal, spiritual, and emotional growth.
1: Tell me more about Crusade's vision for developing young leaders.
0: That's um, over the last actually five, going into six years. There's a program called Senior Leadership Initiative that Campus Crusade uh, began to to start. Our mutual friend Bob Titi. Bob Titi, exactly. Mm-hmm. He's one of the, one of the design uh, members of that uh, this particular initiative, and there, the question came to them, or the or the realization that Crusade is aging. It is a middle-aged organization. And because of that, if we don't begin to pay attention to the future, where is our relevance in the next five years? The concern is that are we preparing leaders who have our values of the history of crusade? But at the same time, um, how is that being matched with this current culture and where we want to go, where God wants to take us in the future,
1: let me just stop you there because mm-hmm. that issue that Campus Crusade for Christ is wrestling with needs to be addressed by many organizations.
0: Absolutely, I mean the church needs to continually pay attention to that as well. Our commitment to the Great Commission, to the Great Commandment, to the Great Concern, is a mainstay. But how is that lived out in this current culture that is Comcast speed in this change? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, everything's so, changing rapidly. Rapidly, yeah.
0: rapidly. So, so yes, yeah, so it's it's something that the church. As a matter of fact, um, one of the just side notes, one of the um, re, uh, kind of findings I've been involved in as a result of the some of the research we've done or this particular program, we've done this research. We began to talk to people who are from the Southern Baptist Convention. As we talked to that leadership, that leadership represents a mainstay, stability. Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, we, we're we're talking um, so, some of the. Best uh, well known preachers and well known churches, and, and people who send people to missionary work all over the place. But they're concerned about how they will be relevant five years from now and what this current culture, how this current culture responds to the gospel. How do we approach it? And we began to listen to them begin to concern or make it. We said, wait a minute, if they're concerned about it, we better pay attention to this too.
1: You know, as I hear you describe this, this two levels of leadership: one, the flyover, you know, mm-hmm. the thirty thousand foot mm-hmm. level, and mm-hmm. then boots on the ground. Boots
0: on the ground, right?
1: The communication and the lessons go both ways. Yes, don't they, they do.
0: Yes, they do. Well, one of the things that is very real is that um, you want to make sure that your leadership thirty thirty thousand thirty thousand feet, you know, come in or fly down <laughs> once, come in for a landing come once in a while, coming for a landing once in a while, <laughs> <laughs> so that you can say, well, hey, okay. Am I on the right track? Yeah. Are we going in the right direction? How am I doing as a leader? That kind of feedback, feedback is necessary mm-hmm. from the person uh, who's on the ground, foot on the ground, they need to continually establish and re- remember, or not just establish, but maintain trust, mm-hmm. trust in their leadership or that their leadership is not trying to lead them astray because everybody just gets so caught up and busy in whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's important for us to have a meeting of the minds. Where do we come together and reevaluate and say, hey, Here's how we're making progress. Let's celebrate. Okay, here's areas where we can see more fruit produced.
1: Is this also an opportunity to see your ministry multiply in a sense that others will come alongside you to pick up the, the local responsibilities while you take on some of the national responsibilities? So that's another opportunity for growth on their part.
0: Yes, it is. I mean, here's a reality. You can be so focused, and as I said, for 17 years being a city director, that I wasn't really thinking about leadership succession. Directly or intentionally, mm-hmm. I'm thinking the osmosis is going to happen. Right, guy's just <laughs> going to show somebody up. Here's this person. Here he is, he wants to be the leader. No, leadership that actually is effective and leadership succession plan plans that are actually that are actually successful are those that are focused focused on in many instances growing and cultivating their own leaders intentionally.
1: Are you training someone to take your place? Yes.
0: Are you training someone to take your place? There are, there are some people right now who have identified. They are they are in this year. They've already been identified as the ones to replace me. Those individuals will be groomed even more intentionally over this next year. And so, so I, I'm, I'm committed to that, but not only for them, but for our entire team. And we want this to become part of the DNA of how Campus Crusade works. How are you replacing yourself are you thinking five ten years from now and and who, who's going to be the person who's going to sit in your spot and where can you yet um, be in a position where more fruit can be produced out of your life it's a john 15 passage uh, where jesus says not only he says it's to the father's glory that you bear much fruit and then he says so proving yourselves to be my disciples the challenge for me from that passage is that i can say jesus i have fruit already What are you doing? I mean, here's fruit right here. What's the issue here? And Jesus is like, Yeah, I see it, but I want more. It's not as a taskmaster, but it's to the Father's glory. So, who am I here? Again, what is your aim? Is it just so I can say I've got a nice, comfortable ministry, or is it so that more fruit can be produced so the Master's glorified?
1: I really appreciate Milton Massey and the challenge to all of us today. What is your aim in life? Who are you serving? If you'd like more information about Here's Life Inner City, a ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com, for links and more. This conversation today with Milton will also be archived on the website if you'd like to share it with someone else. What's coming up next week? A couple of authors will join me. Between them, they have written dozens of books with millions in print. So two conversations next week. First, Max Lucado will talk about his writing and his passion for outreach in Africa. Then Dr. Kevin Lehman on how to have a new you by Friday. Two very different personalities will join me next week. Check it out online at firstpersoninterview.com. Now with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person.